A new year is finally here. 2020, this is it, guys. Time to fulfill those New Year's resolutions. So what's yours? Well, mine is getting organized. So whether it may be that you've got a side hustle or you're a full-time entrepreneur, you're going to need a way to keep everything organized with your contracts. Enter QuickTrack. My friends at QuickTrack have the best way for you to create and sign a contract all from your mobile device. It's that easy. And you could do it all in 60 seconds. You don't have to worry about all the silly legal lingo. You don't have to understand any of that stuff. Plus, you can get it done, sent out to the other person, and get paid all within the app. So whichever side of the contract you might be on, you're going to love QuickTrack. Go download the free QuickTrack app today from the App Store. QuickTrack, Q-U-I-K-T-R-A-C-T, QuickTrack. That's basically what they back paid us for. And that's what they, um, however many years, like girls were on the team, they got a check then for it. And it was just really interesting because a lot of the girls weren't by my side through a lot of it because they were still dancing. Yep. So they were threatened into not speaking with me. And then when they got a paycheck and it was done and over with, I had a couple like reach out to me and be like, thanks so much for, you know, fighting for us and, and doing that. And like, it still felt good and I'm glad that they were happy, but I really wanted to be like, if you had been there by my side, like we could have gotten so much more sure. out of this and made more, um, we could have changed so many more things. Like if you had just stood up and said, yeah, this did happen. Like I was there, it happened to me rather than just me being alone. Well, I can't believe I'm just saying this now. Happy International Women's Month. I don't know if that's the right turn, but I know that March is the month where we are celebrating women, especially the females who are out there being girl bosses, being entrepreneurs, just taking a chance on yourself. And, you know, I want to remind people that that doesn't always mean going and starting your own business. You can be a girl boss if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're doing something that you're passionate about, if you're making a difference in the world. And so today I am so excited to celebrate one of my favorite female figures who has shaken up the sports industry, Lauren Harrington. She is a former dancer for the Milwaukee Bucks. And boy, is she strong as hell. The struggles, the mistreatment, Gosh, all of the unhealthy environments that Lauren experienced while she was on the team really resonate me because it's very similar to the NFL and what cheerleaders experience. Back in 2015, Lauren sued the NBA franchise in a class action lawsuit after claiming she and other dancers were underpaid in violation of federal and state labor and wage laws. Okay, yeah, that's all the legal jargon stuff, right? But you get it. Three to four dollars an hour is what the league was saying all these girls were worth. Well, not the league, but the Bucks. But this is a league-wide problem. This is an industry-wide problem. In 2017, the dancers came away with a total of $250,000. A meek settlement. So in hopes to spark change throughout the league, throughout similar industries, she is speaking out on unfair wages, being blacklisted from other teams. You'll hear all about it. The bullying, the severe bullying she experienced from her coach, other women, the brainwashing, and just overall unhealthy atmospheres she experienced as a professional dancer. This episode is really, really important, 
not just for any women out there who's ever felt discriminated against in the workplace, but men, too, to really get a glimpse on what can happen when people are mistreated. You know, our world these days, we have the opportunity to do better. So let's do that. Here's Lauren. Well, hey, guys, Lauren is here with me on the podcast. I am so excited to finally have her here. We've been chatting on Instagram for a quite a while now and finally get to talk in person. So welcome to the show. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that we're both in like leopard animal print right now. Oh, yes. <laughs> this is going on. I mean, yours looks much more fashionable. I put this scarf on like I was telling you because I'm freezing in here. Um, but yeah, I love, I love it. it. Right? It's so great. Um, anyway, so... I really want to share your story with other people. You know, we haven't had an NBA dancer on the podcast yet, and I'm very excited to enlighten people, let people know a little bit about what that world is, um, and of course, your experience. So first, let's just talk about dance in general. Obviously, I was a dancer my entire life growing up. Um, What was your relationship with dance as a young kid? Um, I pretty much grew up dancing most of my life and pretty much took every class possible. And I actually got out of it in that middle school Mm -hmm. age range, kind of thought I was like too cool to, you know, go to dance classes and do that. So I got out of it for a while and started doing cheerleading. And I, I think I got dropped one time whenever I was a flyer and then it did me and I was done after that. I was too much of a baby. So got back into dancing and um, once I got back into high school, took it a lot more seriously, took about 30 to 40 hours worth of classes every week. And then I was on my high school dance team. And once I graduated high school, I kind of knew that I wanted to do something afterwards, but I wasn't really sure yet. So I went ahead and got recruited by a college to dance and really only spent a semester dancing there because I realized I didn't really like it as much as I thought I would. Okay. So that's kind of when I let it led to the pro side of things. Okay. So how were, old were you at that point? What, 18 or 19? I was 18. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you were really young when you were um, thrown, thrown into that world. But I mean, I, I want to rewind for a second. I think people don't realize what it takes growing up as a dancer to train an elite level. Like you said, you were dancing yeah. 30 to 40 hours a week. I'm sure at least it was the same for me driving really far competitions. You have to travel. Um, can you tell people a little bit about what that schedule, what that world was like for you as a kid? Yeah, so pretty much through high school, I kind of lived like a completely different lives and like anybody else because yeah. I you missed much, a lot of parties and everything oh yeah yeah like I had no social life yeah. whatsoever mm-hmm. and so I pretty much would go to class and as soon as I got off at three hurry up run home um you know my mom would have something re- ready for me to eat I'd grab my bag and I would usually be at the dance studio from four to nine thirty ten o'clock like every single night and then usually I would try to get a workout. And sometimes in the morning I would go for a run or, um, work out a little bit at home. And then on the weekends, we usually had extra classes or extra, um, practices that we would do. So that could be, you know, four or five hours that we could do on a Saturday. And, you know, then you're trying to maintain schoolwork on top of that. I was still on the high school dance team. So then we had practices that was sometimes practices in the morning, like five or 6am we would do practice. So, 
pretty much my life consisted of waking up, going to school, and then dancing every single day. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Like, I think back on my schedule as a high schooler, and I'm like, how the hell did I do that? Like, it was just insane. Like, I, I don't know. Like, college was a little bit easier, at least because, you know, you didn't have school all day. So it was like more manageable. And obviously, like for me, like, okay, during like peak seasons, um, for like for football season, I didn't take as many class, I didn't take in as many credits or some certain <laughs> days, you know, I wouldn't have class. And so, um, but it's insane when you think about the fact that we were full time students at the time, and having to maintain that and yet you didn't feel burnout. Yeah, I know. And that's what then you throw in like our basketball games and things that we're performing at for that. And then I was in pretty much like every extracurricular (laughs) group at school. So then we'd have meetings with that. And Mm. it was just nonstop going all the time. And when I like talk to people back in high school and they're like, oh, you know, like we did this, we did that. I don't even remember that being available. I'm like, I think I was at dance. I must have been at dance. Must have been at dance competition. Oh (laughs) my gosh, totally. Like, Everyone's always like, what? Like, like talking about stuff and like fun, you know, experiences, funny experiences that they had, maybe like partying in high school. And I'm like, I think I maybe, maybe went to one party. Like there were a couple like birthday parties that I went to, I think like sophomore (laughs) year when I had like a little bit of time, but like. I literally I went to like one real party and otherwise I didn't because people were always like wait you didn't drink in high school and I'm like I didn't have time that's exactly I'm like, like I didn't at all and everybody's like so shocked by that I'm like I literally when I had a, like free time I wanted to sleep or yes. dance more or like catch up on schoolwork yeah. or anything like I didn't have time to go do that yeah and like competitions last all weekend long like you're there all the time like all day Friday Saturday Sunday whatever it may be it's draining yeah. And then I was kind of like, you know, once you get into senior year and you start preparing for colleges or professional, then you're training for things like that, or you're going to workshop classes or, you know, meeting with people from that. So senior yeah, year no, is even it's more nuts. hectic. <laughs> it's insane. No, I remember that. It was just, oh my gosh, it was ridiculous. Um, and the different deadlines and like dates of everything. Gosh, it was so nuts. Um, okay. So like you said, I'll, we'll fast forward again. You headed to the pro level when you were 18 years old. That is such a young age to be thrown into things. And you yeah. danced with the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Yes. Okay. So what was that experience like for you? It was, and I had just, um, I had just turned 19 actually okay. when I made the team for them. So I was, I don't want to say more mature, but I was at least one no, more yeah, year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, when I made it, I was, you know, really excited. The most intense part was we had like a two month boot camp before we even made the team. And I lived five hours away from Milwaukee at that point. So I was still going to school full time. I worked two part-time jobs and I was driving up there two to three nights a week to go to the workshops. So I would usually get up at like four 30 workouts. I would go to work from six until noon, leave work right then and drive to Milwaukee and then we would have practice from like six to ten and then I would drive home and get home at like two or three sleep for like an hour and literally do it all over again oh my gosh the thing is though that is so common in our world I don't think most other people know that 
no. And people like, it sounds crazy even now when I think about it, but like, you have to like, do how it. How did I ever do it? But yeah, like at the time being, I'm like, I have no other options. Like this is what I have to do to make it. And I would drive all the way there just for an hour long workout that we had on yeah. Saturday mornings. And I was like, can I just like do this at home? You know, yeah. I'll send you a video and they're like, yeah. nope, you have to be here if you want to continue the process. So I would get up at like three in the morning and drive all the way up there to be there for a morning workout on Saturday morning. Oh my Gosh. Okay. So, geez, girl. Well, what? I mean, so once you made the team, then did you move to Milwaukee? Yes. They okay. literally like told me I had like 24 hours to pick up and move to Shut Milwaukee. Up. Yeah. So we got done and made the team and it was like 11 o'clock midnight. Right. And then the next day we literally had appearances. So um, I stayed in a hotel that night and my mom and I went and looked for apartments all day. And since I was 19, nobody even wanted to rent an apartment to me. Totally. So I had, you know, I'd never like been out on my own and didn't really have like a loan or credit or anything. So actually they, I couldn't find an apartment to even live in. And thank goodness the the Bucks actually called the place where I was trying to get an apartment. They're like, she's legit. Like she's actually trying to like move up here. So they like convinced them to give me this apartment. And um, that's a whole nother story itself. I ended up getting an apartment, like a horrible neighborhood. And it was a whole experience just living in this neighborhood in Milwaukee. But um, I pretty much just sent my mom back home and she packed all my stuff in the wall trailer and drove it up like a couple days later and um, moved me into my apartment. Apartment and my parents got me all settled in and you know then the next following days appearances started practices started so we hopped right into it well you had to especially at that point you had to have wanted it so bad you wanted oh yeah you had to have at least dreamed of dancing for them for a really long time to be able to like survive that yeah yeah it took a lot and I kind of like those couple months like leading up to that and doing the boot camp and everything mm-hmm. are kind of a blur because I feel like I just was so like, I have to get through this. I have to do this. Right. Like it'll all be okay once I get through this. So it's kind of all blur getting through all of that. But once I got settled in, it was better and things kind of settled down, but it was so weird, like transitioning to being in a completely different city when you know, literally nobody, like your parents are five hours away. You're living in a town where you have no idea where anything is. And yeah. I'm trying to it's find, not like you know, going to college. Jobs. It's not like going to college where you can just make a bunch of friends. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like you don't get to go to things to meet people. Like I literally went to work, the gym and the game. So it was, it's definitely a different kind kind of lifestyle. Like you just, you don't have a lot of friends. You're very isolated. I did bring my dog up there, which that poor thing, she got put through so much like emotionally and physically throughout my year, but she was pretty much like what got me through it and was kind of my buddy. And other than that, I would definitely say that was like the hardest part though, is because you're just, you're so far away. And even if like the simple inconvenience that I'd be having like a meltdown over, you know, you can't go over to your parents' house and cry about it. Or you can't call up your best friend and have them come over. You're just sitting in an empty apartment by yourself dealing with things. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I, I'm, I know that it's like this for most teams and it was for mine. You're told that at any point you can be replaced. So you have to do everything that it takes 
to be there, to, you know, make those appearances, to make a practice. There's no excuses. You can't miss anything. Right. I mean, it has to be a severe emergency. So you have to, you have to, like everyone, I'm sure, was doing exactly what you were doing if they were in your situation. I was the only one that had moved out of town. So okay. I did have kind of a unique situation because I was really the only one that wasn't from the area or hadn't been on the team before. So that was the one thing that I was really disappointed in is because when I first made the team, they were like, oh, you know, this is your family now. You're, mm-hmm. We're all your best friends. We're all sisters. Call us if you need anything. But that was not the case. R- yeah, it was yeah. really rare yep. if you had somebody like backing you up and if you went to somebody with an issue. And my car was actually broken into during a practice one night and they shattered my windows and stole my purse, like drained my <sighs> bank accounts, maxed out my credit cards, like all within a couple minutes. And I, it was of course a snowstorm. Where was, where was this? It was at the gym that we practiced at, wow. um, right outside of Milwaukee at one of the gyms. I can't remember the town that we were in. Um, but yeah, someone broke into like multiple cars. And so here I am like driving around. No one knows in my car. It's a snowstorm. And they like still expected us to be there. And I was like, I don't even have money to put gas in my car because I didn't have my ID because it was stolen. Yeah. My mom was like trying to Western Union me money. And since you don't have an ID, you can't pick up money. And I had not even legally ID. allowed to drive. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, I am not able to drive. I have no money. I have no way to get money because all my banks are in Illinois. So it was such a disaster. And I was like calling everybody, like begging them, can you give me a ride? Can you come pick me up? And luckily one of the girls was really helpful. And she like, you know, let me stay with her and put my car in a garage. So it didn't get completely ruined from Mm -hmm. the snowstorm. But it just was instances like that, that you thought they would be understanding, but then I was actually just like reprimanded later on because we had a game that following day and my coach was like, well, you just seem really stressed out and like really overwhelmed. I'm like, yeah, I have no money. I have no ID. My car is literally sitting in the parking lot with no windows in it. Like, yes, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. Like you have a reason. Yeah. So I ended up getting sad that game because she said I was just too stressed out and I wasn't ready. So I'm like, that's fine. I got bigger things to worry about. Shut up. Are you joking? Nope. So yeah, that's kind of how things went whenever it came to when you had like issues. And I remember like one of the girls, like she had a death and she was really upset about it. And she, of course she was crying and she was having a hard time dealing with things. And The coach was like, if you can't get your emotions together, then you're not going to be dancing because I'm not going to sit here and have you crying. And she was like, my best friend just committed suicide. Like, I'm heartbroken. And they have, like, no compassion for anything like that. Like, if it's game day, she was like, you need to suck it up and get out there or leave because those are your two options at this point. It's intense. (laughs) But the the thing is is that is so common in our world. Mm-hmm. And yet players are allowed to deal with that, to grieve. Um, but right. for some reason, like I said before, we're told, oh, no, you you can be replaced at any second. You're just a body, you know, yeah, out there dancing. Yeah, like you're a human. You're just, like, there. Like, just, like, a pretty face. Like, it's not, you're not, like, a real person. You don't have real-life issues. You don't have financial things. You don't have any prior commitments. Like, you literally just exist to be there for them. And yet you 
barely got paid anything, right? Like I saw a post that you did that when you broke down your wages, it was something like three to $4 an hour. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was a big issue. And, you know, I was one of those that financially, I'm like, I just can't afford to, you know, live in an apartment in the city and be able to pay for everything with what we're making. And so I was working, you know, two other part-time jobs kind of on top of everything, but then nobody as an employer wants to work with you because you might get a phone call and be like, you have to be at practice in two hours or you're off the team. And what employer is going to be like, okay, yeah, no problem. Just go ahead and go. And then when you can't come in tomorrow at the same time, that's fine. Like nobody wants to work with you. So it's so hard to find jobs even just to be able to make up for what you're not making for, because dance is essentially what they called it was a full-time commitment with part-time pay. Yeah, we used to say um, it was a part-time job with full-time commitment. And I'm like, well, I mean, I I get that, but we're still putting in like 100 hours a week. And then when you put in the required tanning and getting our hair done and going to appearances, you know, those things have to be paid for at the end of the day because it's time taken away that we can't be at our other jobs that we're having to take time off of and not get paid for. So you have to make it up one way or the other. And I think that's really where we were able to see the big difference was the time that was taken for nails, hair, eyelashes, tanning, you know, cleaning your clothes, going and doing your work. Yeah. We have to clean our own uniforms. I think people yep. don't realize that. And it's a freaking, oh my God, oh my it's God, so it's annoying. Nightmare. And I had to pay for a whole new uniform that I never even wore, but the girl before me that had it wore, she had gotten a spray tan and then wore the uniform. Oh and so gosh, I had to yes. pay the, for the whole new uniforms and they just take it out of your paycheck. Like we, if we had any damage or if they were too wrinkled or if they like smelled or anything, they would charge us for the whole new uniform piece. How much was that? I think I ended up paying like $500 for mine. Like it was crazy. And they don't even give you like the option. Like they and just, that's just one of, of your uniforms. That's yeah, not we had like, like 15. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, oh my gosh, that is unbelievable. So what was the ultimate breaking point for you? I had a couple of them. <laughs> A couple of them, and then I would like regroup myself and go home and be like, you know, you're gonna get through this, like, it'll be okay. Um, One of the bigger ones was I had some really good friends come up from my hometown to come see me dance, and they had bought like front row courtside seat tickets because they were so excited to see me dance. Mm -hmm. So they had spent like five or six hundred dollars on tickets to see me, and um. I was really excited. And so in the locker room, I was telling all the girls about how excited I was and how my best friend was here. And she was so excited to see me. And my coach was like, who's up here visiting you? And I was like, well, it's my really best friend. Like I've danced her my whole life. Like she kind of coached me for a while and she pushed me to do this. And she was like, oh, well, I had already decided I'm pulling you for tonight. You're not dancing. And I was like, she just drove like five hours to come see me. She paid for courtside seats. Like she's got a hotel room. Like she's done all this to come see me. And she was like, yeah, sorry. You can go sit out in the stands with her, but you're not dancing. And then, so I was sucked up my pride and I, I went and sat out with her in the crowd and watched the game. And then at the end of the game, all the girls had their other friends and family down the court and they were taking pictures and, um, you know, they were just saying hi to everybody. And I walked down there to take a picture with her on the court. And my coach literally grabbed me and dragged me off the court and told me to go back to the locker room. And, um, 
I wasn't allowed to do that. And I wasn't allowed to take pictures or talk to my friend now. And so I remember just like going back there and I had like called my mom. I'm like, that's it. Like I'm packing my stuff up. I'm coming home. Like I can't do this anymore. And she was like, yes, like that's just too much. You just need to leave. And so at that point I was literally going to text her the next morning be like, I'm done. Like you're psycho. I can't do this anymore. And so I went home and thought about it and I like kept telling myself, like, I've come this far, like I can't just end my year on this bad term. Like I've done this, I've been here. I'm not going to let her tear me down. So then it kind of became like a personal accomplishment to just like get through the year and prove the point that I wasn't going to let her be ruthless and try to tear me down. So then, you know, the next day I came to practice and I just acted like nothing was wrong. And I was like, okay, I'm here. Like I'm ready to go. And she would just like try to tear me down like every single time. And I'm like, I'm not about to cry in practice. I mean, as soon as I got out of my car, I would just like yeah. cry the whole way home. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. Like I'm going to get through this. And I'm so glad I did at the end of the day. Like, yes, it was hard. And I had a lot of breaking points, but I'm so glad I pushed through it at the end of the day because it kind of put me where I am now. And I think it, it made so many other people kind of open their eyes and see things, but it was definitely my biggest thing was I didn't want to have to come back home after I'd already accomplished like such a big task. Like everybody in my hometown, cause I'm kind of from a smaller town. So everybody was like, Oh my gosh, like you're a professional cheerleader. Like yeah. that is so amazing. And you know, all the kids that I danced with were like so excited and they always like you yeah like they'd always ask my mom how I was like they wanted autographs so it was always like really neat to be like that so then I felt like if I quit and came home that I was going to be letting everybody down and everybody was going to be like wow you just quit and came home when you had like such an awesome opportunity so that's kind of when I just decided to bear down and grit through it wow oh my gosh did you have a lot of teammates that experienced the same things as you I know you mentioned your one best friend who dealt with the the bereavement at that time um when her friend passed but was there anyone who really like felt the same breaking points like was there anyone else who got pulled as much as you because it seems like for the first instance with your friends visiting Mm -hmm. your coach didn't have a reason to pull you and that doesn't seem like that should be allowed Right. Well, I would say there was a lot of one-sidedness to me, but um, one of the girls that I had become close with, she had literally warned me the first day of practice because um, the coach had snapped at me and she was like, I'm just going to tell you now, like, she doesn't like you and she's going to get you to quit. Was there a reason? happening? No, like literally no reason. And she went on to tell me the story about a girl the previous year that had had the same exact thing happen. The coach told her she didn't like her and she ended up doing so many things to her that she quit halfway through the year. And it was almost seemed like an accomplishment to the coach. Like, Oh, like I ruined your life and yeah. you had to quit. Oh my gosh. So it's like my college coach. Oh my God. People are man, I'm telling you they're anyway, crazy. And, um, but so that's kind of like, I was warned about it whenever I first started and was kind of told to like, watch out. Like she might be picking on me. And I definitely felt like she picked on me a lot more than anybody else went through. But there were a couple of girl, couple of girls that she picked on for their weight. And like, it would be so wishy-washy, like they would look good, you know, one day and she'd be like, you're just too heavy today. But then the next day she'd be like, Oh, you look so good. Like you look so great. And so she did kind of pick on people like that. And she would single people out and just kind of yell at them for no reason. And, 
but she also pulled people in individually. So we didn't see a lot of things that she said to other teammates. Um, she would like put us in the closet and talk to us for a while about things we needed to work on or what she felt like. So a lot of it was done like behind closed doors. So you never really knew. And then she would tell us like, if she caught us talking to somebody else about what was said that she would like remove us from the team. Yeah. So it was like really isolated. Like even when you're with your teammates, like you can't even talk to them like about what she said. We weren't allowed to talk to each other about the contracts. We couldn't ask someone about their pay for something because like veterans, I think we're making like $10 more a game. Like we couldn't ask which veteran she chose to give more money to. Um, Like if we were seen like pouting or making a comment, like she would literally like freak out on us for like talking about it with each other. And we're like, we're on the same team. Like we're just, we're just talking about something. Like it literally has nothing to do with you or whatever. Like we're just saying how we feel and how, what you said made us feel and how we're going to deal with it. Or we're just trying to help each other out. But it was like looked at so negatively. And I think that's how she got us. So like brainwashed and turned against each other almost because it was like, well, so-and-so said this and you can't go say anything to them about this, but you just need to know, you know, certain things about people. And so then you're sitting there wondering, well, who said that about me? You know, who would have told her that? Like, I wasn't doing that. So you're just kind of like constantly looking over your shoulder and wondering if what she's saying is true or is she just trying to kind of manipulate us to think that she's, you know, this great and wonderful person. So I think that's kind of, you know, she, she definitely controlled us that way. And I definitely see where the brainwashing came from with that sense. And then of course that you're always replaceable and everybody wants this job and you're so lucky. And I think that's like, I hate hearing those words because I'm like, oh my gosh, like how many times it was like engraved in our minds. It's it's like, oh, well, there's 5,000 other girls that want your job. So if you don't like it, then there's the door. And it's like, okay, then that makes me automatically feel like I can't quit or I can't give up. And at 19, I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe this is how things are. Like, maybe this is how people are in the workplace. Maybe this is what it's like in the real world. I don't know. But once I got out, I definitely realized that it's, it's not normal and you don't have to hate all of your coworkers or fellow teammates and be turned against each other. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you think the Bucks were aware of what was going on? Yes, absolutely. Because the only reason I say that is because we had like a a manager that was like over all of the game day entertainment and we weren't really like allowed to talk to him. We had to like talk to him through our coach But we did try to go to him about a couple of things and he would just like immediately backstab us or, you know, like he would send an email to your coach and then, you know, she's sending it to you. So I, I think he was totally aware of things and he was like the first person that if you saw him, like, he's like, Oh my gosh, how are you? Like, how are things going? And you're like, horrible. Like, this is horrible. You guys are like treating us like crap. I'm getting worked into the ground. Like I'm literally holding my life together by a string right now. And he's like, okay, great. Yep. Sounds good. And you know, he goes on his merry way and everything's fine, but like they never wanted to address things. And even like after the lawsuit, they still claim that they think that they did nothing wrong. And what we were paid was fair. Okay. So and you sue- you did sue. 
Yes. Okay. Yep. So, we settled. Okay. So when when did you decide that it was time to file? That was like right after I moved home. Okay. Um, the Buffalo Jills case had just mm-hmm. come out, mm-hmm. and so I had literally moved home, and I had come across the um, the newspaper article about it, and. So I ended up reading And for it. people who don't and for people who don't know, like the Buffalo Jills don't exist anymore because this all happened. So like a, a team literally went away because these girls were fighting for the right to be paid. So Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So they uh I was like reading through that and I'm like, you know, that sounds horrible, but some of the stuff was even worse, like what they put us through. And so I kind of thought about it and I had gone auditioned for another team and, um, you know, I said that I danced on the bucks and I was dismissed for that. And I felt like there was, yes. Why is that a freaking thing in our industry? I have no idea. And it happened to to so many of my friends. Yes. And that's what they were saying. And I talked to a couple of girls and they were like, well, I guarantee coach said something to this other team's coach. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I have no way to prove it, but it was really weird. Like I made it all the way through and, they didn't know our names or anything. And so then like last minute, they're like, well, have you danced with one? I was like, yes, I just retired from the Bucks. And she was like, okay, thank you. But we're not interested. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So after that point, and I kind of knew like my career was over dancing wise. Um, I went ahead and decided, and I just reached out to a sports attorney out of Chicago and just kind of sent him some texts and emails that I had from my coach and I sent him a copy of our contract and just kind of a little bit of an outline as to what happened and didn't hear anything back within like, you know, the couple days. And then I finally get an email back and he was like, I'm mortified. I've never heard of a, you know, a case like this with cheerleaders being so bad. And he was like, I feel really strongly about this. So I'd really love to get a lawsuit going if you think that that's what you want to do. And I'm like, absolutely. Like my career is pretty much over because of this. So, um, you know, absolutely. I would love to at least make a change and not have people go through what I had to go to go through and what my teammates went through. So we started the process and about halfway through, we realized that we were going to have to focus more on wage garnishment issues rather than just treatment because, there's a lot of weird things that go into it when you're accusing one person of treating me badly. Like I couldn't just go after my coach because she was basically protected by the bucks. So we decided to go towards the wage garnishment amount. And that's when we reached out to a wage attorney and he kind of got everything together. And we had an arbitration like meeting up in Milwaukee and I had to see all of the Bucks, my coach and the game day manager and like all their attorneys. Like I had to sit in a room with them and I've never, like, so I've funny. never sweat so bad in my life. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so intense. Like you said all these horrible things. Like you broke me down and now I have to like be tough and like shake your hand and sit across from you and, you know, try to sue you. And so it was a good experience though, because I think I needed that closure with her to just, like shake her hand and walk away and be like, now we're done. Like I can wash my hands of you and it'd be done and over with. So once we got done with that, we did end up settling. So four years worth of dancers got back pay. Um, 
So they at least back paid us for what we would have earned getting minimum wage. So it is not like we've got an astronomical amount. I didn't get rich. I didn't get, I think I ended up getting like $1,500 out of it. Yeah. People don't realize it's not a whole get rich scheme. Like, right. It's um, it's like we're just trying to earn what we were should have been paid in the first place. Exactly. And that's what I was like, you know, you could have given us $10 an hour and that would have still been so minimal. But I think it was like $7.25 at the time was the minimum wage. So that's basically what they back paid us for. And that's what they, um, however many years, like girls were on the team, they got a check then for it. And it was just really interesting because a lot of the girls weren't by my side through a lot of it because they were still dancing. Yep. So they were threatened into not speaking with me. And then when they got a paycheck and it was done and over with, I had a couple like reach out to me and be like, thanks so much for, you know, fighting for us and, and doing that. And like, it still felt good. And I'm glad that they were happy, but I really wanted to be like, if you had been there by my side, like we could have gotten so much more yeah. out of this and made more. Um, we could have changed so many more things. Like if you had just stood up and said, yeah, this did happen. Like I was there, it happened to me rather than just me being alone. And they, the, my attorneys reached out to a lot of the girls and there were like, I think three or four that met with them privately and told them other stories of exactly what happened. And they were like, this is great. Like, this is what we need. Can you please like testify with this? And they're like, Oh no, like this can't leave the room. I'll lose everything. Like my career will be completely done if you like release this. And they would get so frustrated because they're like, just, you know, it's okay. Like they can't do anything to you. And the girls are like, no, they literally will take everything from me. Like if you, if you let this go and you make this public, like you can't release that what I'm saying and that I'm saying this is all true. So that was the only thing that I got really frustrated with is because I would reach out to the girls myself and be like, please, like, please just validate that this is true. Like this actually happened. And they're like, I would love to, like, I know that this is how it is, but I just, I can't, I can't give up my dancing for it. It's frustrating, <laughs> but I'm glad we settled and I'm, I'm glad that that's, it's done and over with. We were going to go to court over it and then we just decided to go ahead and settle and take the offer that they, they went ahead and offered. And, um, I really hoped that they would like change their rules and their pay after that. But as far as I'm aware, they didn't change anything after that. They said that what they thought was fair. Yeah. So they just open themselves up for more lawsuits. And my lawyers try to explain that to them. Like, if you don't change things, like you're just opening yourself up to get sued again. And they're like, oh, it's fine. We'll take it as it comes. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So you'd rather just like wait and pay out hundreds of thousands of dollars for attorney fees and everything else rather than just pay us a little bit more. Like, that's it. Like That's all you have to do. And it'd be done and over with. But no. So have you got started on your New Year's resolution yet? Well, I've already been able to fulfill mine. For me, it was getting organized. So as much as my room's not clean yet, my phone, I'm getting digitally there. Plus, I'm using QuickTrack. Like I told you at the beginning of this episode, this app has saved my life. It's a free download. You can create and sign a contract all within your cell phone. It's so easy. Basically, the app tells you how to write a contract. You feel like a badass lawyer right when you're doing it. 
Go do it right now. You won't regret it, whether you are a businessman, businesswoman, or just somebody who needs to hire a babysitter and make sure that everything's okay. Go download the Quick Track app today from the App Store for free. Quick Track, Q-U-I-K-T-R-A-C-T, Quick Track. Now, back to the show. That's crazy. Well, and, like, from my experience, too, it's not... It doesn't just affect you when it's on the team. It affects you the rest of your life. And I know, like, for me personally, like, I work in the sports industry. So I'm not going to lie. I feel like I can't talk about half of the stuff that I've been through yep. because I'm figuring out a way to tiptoe around things because I don't want it to um, tarnish my name in yeah, this industry exactly. because, because this is my world. And if I was, you know... If I had nothing to do with sports anymore and, you know, I was a dentist or a teacher or some or just I don't know, like if if I had nothing to do with the NFL um, and I love the NFL, but I feel like I can't be 100 percent honest and that's really yeah. hard for me. And I think that people forget that part, like even though you're off the team and all of this stuff is going on and people are coming out and sharing their stories. it's hard for most people to come out and be honest because I know for me, like there would be, there there would be um, backlash. Yeah. Um, Just not just by like a certain organization, but I might not get hired somewhere. Exactly. Um, You know, like people might be like, oh, well, we're not going to have her cover our stuff because, you know, she hates football. And that's not freaking true. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's those kinds of things that, you can't win either way. And that's the, the honestly, to me, that's the worst part about this because like worse than pay because you can't be a human being. Right. Exactly. And that's what even a couple of the other girls that have recently um, like started lawsuits with other teams, like a couple of the other NFL teams, they were literally sent a letter even after they've been off the team and done. They were sent a letter that says that they were seen at any events or on any public, um, any public event or anything talking about their time on the team, that the team would sue them personally for basically slandering their name. And it's like, these girls are off the team. Like they have no contract or anything with you. And you're literally like sending a, people to go watch them at events to see if they would talk about their experiences. They were like watching their social media to see what they were saying about it. Like, it was just crazy. I'm like, you don't like that you're done and over dancing with them. Like they shouldn't have control over you still, but it's like such a big organization that they have the ability to do that and be like, Oh, well we're worth billions of dollars. So yeah, like we can sue you and we will seek out the lawyers to do that because we have the resources to do so. So I think that's what scares like so many people into not wanting to say anything or not even being able to, because like you said, it's your livelihood. Like you, that would be everything. And people would totally do that just because they have the resources to do so. Yeah. Like I'll touch on the little things. Like, of course, saying, yeah, we weren't paid enough. You know, here's like, like we did all this, this and this, you know, we 
I couldn't go to a restaurant if a, a football player was there. I'd have to leave. You know, we weren't allowed. I basically would say all of the stuff that every other person dealt with in the league. So, like, that stuff I feel comfortable saying all the time on, like, anytime I'm a guest on a podcast or saying, you know, we had weigh-ins every week. But all that, like, generic stuff yes. um, that I don't feel like is going to hurt me. And, and that's the thing. Like, I... I still am so grateful for the experiences that I've had as a professional cheerleader because, you know, it developed me into the person that I am. It was something that I wanted to do my entire life. And there were so many great things about it, but it doesn't make a lot of the stuff that most people are dealing with across the entire industry okay. And it just makes me think, like, what do you think the sole issue is? Because there are so many little issues. Like, where do we start with solving the big problem? I think the biggest issue is honestly like gender discrimination a little bit because so the Milwaukee Bucks did get rid of their dance team and they are like a gender. What year was that? Neutral. They just did it this year. It okay. was their first year. Okay. You were, I remember, no, I did see this. Yeah. And it, it's like now a regular, it's a, now it's a, um, it's, it's a, a 414 crew yes, now. Yes. So they're like male and female And they didn't tell any of the girls that were dancing. Like they literally weren't told anything. And it was like their last game and the Bucks posted on their social media that this is what they were doing. And so like so many of the girls were like, you didn't want to value us just as women on the team, but now you're going to add men to it and you're going to give them all these opportunities and you're wanting to market it as that. And you know, how much are you going to be paying them? Are you going to still be paying them the exact same amount? And I think that's the main issue is that teams, right. instead of just treating equally and like, just well, not treating they're trying, us like They're crap. trying to solve that issue by, oh, we're going to put men on the team now. Like that, that solves gender discrimination. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's the biggest issue. And that's, they finally took down the post of the 414 crew when they announced it because so many of the past girls were like commenting on it. And, um, even the coach had commented on it at that point and was like, you're just doing this really unfairly. Like you didn't want to give the girls any type of props. You never wanted, you know, to really talk about them. And now you're just adding men and it's fine and everything's fine. The way you treat everybody is going to be okay. And that's like, all these teams are just getting rid of them. So it, in my eyes, it makes me think, yeah, you do see that you're doing something wrong and that you don't value women. So you're just saying, let's just get rid of them then. Then that'll solve everything. Like instead of just being fair and make letting them have like a living wage and treating them as regular human beings and not robots, you could solve the whole problem and still have these amazing programs with great ambassadors and it'd be great. But instead easier issues just to get rid of them and be done with it and like I hate to see that because I know like on a couple other podcasts that I've listened to like a lot of female um just mostly dancing but even like female athletes like you don't have that many opportunities to be a professional athlete and then when you're taking away another avenue of that like that's one less op- opportunity for us and even as dancers you either are going to go to Broadway or you're going to be a backup dancer or an NBA NFL dancer so you really only have about three options that you can do and now one of them is pretty much gone so if you can't make it in LA as a backup dancer and you can't make it on Broadway like your career is done after college and 
I think that's like what we really need to notice because they're going to be gone. Like there's not going to be any professional athletes for women soon. Um, obviously there's the, there's the main ones, of course, but I just think our opportunities are becoming so much more limited. Yeah, no, you're so right. And it's so sad because as much as we keep spotlighting the issue and talking about it, more and more articles are coming out about this. Teams aren't doing anything about it. And that makes no sense to me. I, yeah, I don't, I don't. And I think, and I think getting other people to understand the issue is also a main concern because like there's so many people who are just so hard headed about wrapping their head around the concept of it. And I kind of have to like put it in a perspective of like, if you were working your desk job, you wouldn't expect someone to come at you and call you names and tell you how fat you look and tell you how ugly you are and how you're stupid and how you can't do this or how you can't do that. And, Oh, you can't go take care of your sick kids because you better work. And if you don't work, then you don't get a job. Like people wouldn't accept that treatment in a day-to-day nine-to-five desk job so just because I maybe work a different type of career and it's more unique it doesn't mean that I should just be subjective to that and be like okay you're right like I'm fat and ugly that's fine no big deal like you shouldn't have to deal with that and so I really am hoping that the more and more that people talk about it the more people on a daily basis understand that this isn't okay and they wouldn't want their daughters to go through this they wouldn't want their sisters to go through it So why is it okay? Like, we're not just pretty girls, quote unquote, in four inches of fabric. Like, we're a lot more than that. We're made to do a lot more for the team. And we have a lot of responsibilities. So we should be treated that way. We should be respected because you respect an athlete out on the court doing their job. You know, whether they they were shirtless or naked, you would still respect them. Like, it would be nothing. But people get so ashamed and they get so um, upset about, like, women being able to be beautiful and be pretty and be able to be on the court and be sexy. Like I I've never understood why people get like so upset about that. And I've been arguing with people since the JLo halftime show because Mm -hmm. people are so upset about it. And I'm like, why can women not feel sexy and beautiful? And why is that? Why does that mean that you're slutty or that you're have bad values or that you're a bad person? Like, has nothing to do with that like we as women should be able to do that and it and it'd be okay it makes me feel beautiful and me feel sexy like exactly like that's how I feel when I dance like I I don't know like and I know it's lame but it's like it's not for anybody else it's for me for me exactly I'm like I'm not there to make anybody else feeling some way like I feel good like it makes me happy it makes me feel good for doing it it makes me you know I love performing. I love being, being out there and it's not for anybody else, but for me and for the adrenaline rush that I get and for how good it makes me feel. And I think people just think it's so much more or like, Oh, you're just trying to appeal to the men in the group. I'm like, I don't know anybody out there. I could care less right. about your husband next to you. Pay the same. I don't care. Like I'm there to solely perform and be a part of the game day. And I like, I, I literally don't care about anything else. And oh my so, gosh that was like a, you know, that's a big issue in itself. And so many people are like, well, you'll take your kids to sports games and the cheerleaders are in a little bit of fabric and this and that. And I got into, of course, like a Facebook argument with someone. I'm like, okay, if the players were out on the field, topless or shirtless, would you be upset? Would you as women sit there and be like, 
oh God, like I can't watch football now because these men are out here without shirts on and they're just being promiscuous and subjecting my children to sexuality. Like, no, you would never think that. But as soon as it's a woman, that's like everybody's first thought about things. Yeah. And it's especially also women on women. Yes. Like like it's usually not the men. Yeah. It's the women that are saying that. And I'm like, you just need to hype each other, you know, just be supportive and don't, don't be jealous about it. I'm not doing it to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm doing it because I feel good about myself and I hope I'm pushing you and making you feel beautiful and empowering and, you know, make you want to go do something that you love. It's not supposed to be tearing you down at all. Yeah. I remember um, years back, I think it was the year after I graduated college um, from Oregon, you know, our our cheerleading squad was really popular. We had our straight stunters and dancers. I was a dancer. So we, you know, obviously were at every single basketball game and that we had a new arena. Um, we're a huge part of the games. And the year after I left, some sort of, I don't know, committee formed or something to try and get us kicked off campus because I think a couple players had raped um a few women on campus. Oh my gosh. And they blamed the cheerleaders and said that we were the reason that rape was happening on campus because of our uniforms and our promiscuous dancing. Yeah, because you brought it upon yourself. Yeah. So I am right? the reason yeah. I'm the reason that somebody else got raped and that poor woman, like you know you know what I mean? Like I just it's like we're bl- again, we're blaming w- women for some something horrible that happens to another woman. No, it's it's the men. It's like, the men, yeah. Like you, why was he not punished? And like, I mean, oh my god! Like I can't wrap my mind around things like that. Like, right? It just it blows my mind that that's and it was it, like we saw that even like on on dancing wise, you know, like one of the girls got a nosebleed, and someone was like, "Well, why don't you go put some more coke up your nose so that you can get through the game?" And it's like, okay, probably because you didn't know we've been practicing since six a.m. in this dry arena (laughs) like we we haven't had a break all day we probably haven't eaten anything we're living like such an unhealthy lifestyle but then there was one of the players that year who had literally like beat up like two different girls in a bar had smacked some dude over the head with a great goose bottle he broke his hand one night in a bar fight then the next day he you know the next week when he did this or that he failed like 12 drug tests and everybody's like oh he's gonna come back it's great like he's right. fine he doesn't have he anything made a wrong mistake. with them yeah. yeah like oh it's okay and I'm like yeah but if that was one of the cheerleaders everybody'd be like yeah that whore like she just she deserves it she gets what she gets like she's just asking for it and it's it's just such like Double standards. Yes, the double standards for it is crazy. It's just so disappointing. I hope that as much as this women's rights movement explodes in 2020, I hope that the professional cheerleader issues that we're dealing with, I hope that that pushes forward too. I mean, because we've been talking about it for such a long time, but nothing's happening. I mean, individual cases, sure, get solved, like we just said, but nothing's happening to solve the core issue. I know. And I'm, I'm, it's been interesting to see, like I just went um, actually to Carthage college up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and um, he had written a whole play about it and it was really, really neat. And um, you know, then there's been a big, been a big documentary by a woman's work. work, Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, I haven't gotten to see it yet, but I know I I I did see it. Yeah, I do too. And so I am hoping that if things continue and people start to see things, um, 
a woman that I've been talking to and working with in LA, she's trying to make kind of a movie about it and, or create some type of series kind of like documenting it. And so, you know, I just keep pushing forward and, you know, I try not to make it as much about the dance dancing and oh like poor me like my life sucked it was horrible blah 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 blah, and more so about the bigger issue which is the equality and the fair treatments and just taking acknowledgement from the teams like yeah maybe we didn't treat you that great in the past and we're sorry but we've realized how much of an asset you are to our organization and we want to make sure that you feel that way and that it's reciprocated just as we do towards the players, because we are a huge part of the game day and we are, we're the ones out in the community, usually meeting with people and taking part in things while the players are, you know, God knows where, but we don't get treated that way. And until I just hope that as we continue talking about it, that things will eventually start changing. Oh, I, is there anything else you want to mention before we, wrap things up here? I don't think so. I think that's, I was listening to your Megan Astor episode oh, uh, yeah, yesterday. She's awesome. and I, she is. And I, I really like related to her and I really liked that episode a lot. And I'm her, um, like her female athlete rising, like that's awesome what she's doing. So I got on like took the test and just yeah. kind of like looking through her stuff and following her on Instagram. I'm like, you know, it's just fun seeing, you know, other women who, you can kind of relate to and like I totally get her like finding having a hard time finding like compassion for people or like you're having a hard time like adjusting with things like totally understandable and I think it's something that we need to continue talking about because it's not really discussed and um it's it's all like kind of about them in the moment but it's also you know what do we do with our lives afterwards you know what 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 happens when you're off the court or um you know, like for her when she's not doing gymnastics. And I think, I think her, um, her FAR program, like that's awesome. I, I think that that's a great, you know, asset to have. And I'm definitely going to follow what she's doing now mm-hmm. and, you know, listen to new things that she's got going on. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, I'm super excited to see what she does. And I think it's really important to keep talking about these issues. Yeah. Um, well, it has been so fantastic having you. I am so lucky to have had this conversation. I can't wait to have you back again and just yes. keep the conversation going. Absolutely. I know. We're going to stick with it. It's going to yeah. get out there eventually. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening today. Make sure you catch our next episode. Don't miss an episode of After Orange Slices every week, twice a week. So go subscribe so you don't miss the podcast. Whatever app you're listening on, you can subscribe on. And make sure you go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Would love to hear what you love most about the show. And make sure you don't miss any of the behind-the-scenes actions. Go follow me on Instagram at After Orange Slices.